Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Good and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunnageeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, will the Croods 2 rise up at the box office? Can G4 survive a second time around? And is The Undertaker really retired? All this and more as we reach our next stop for the 200th time. Yay! <laughs> the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back for another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassford from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please, 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 please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can share, like, subscribe, follow, or do anything that you can to support us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, including throwing out some of those Facebook gaming stars at us, it is truly appreciated. It is now the 200th episode for the PCC Multiverse, and we cannot thank you enough for listening and watching all this time as you tune in to us each and every week all around the world. Also want to give a big shout out to all the great radio stations that goes ahead and plays us each and every week, seven days a week. But we cannot thank you enough for doing so. But it wouldn't be a PCC Multiverse without my good friends. It's both the great guys from the Pop Culture Cosmos joining me today. We'll start off with He's the man behind the great book, Congratulations, You Suck, which you got to go ahead and get today on Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Plus, check out his great shows, Topic Ocalypse and the Super BS Gamescast. It is my good friend. The guy who started off with me on the PC Multiverse and who said to the question, I said, do you want to start a show on Fridays? Because Rob McCallum, the guy who suggested it to us that we should do another show, and Josh's answer was, what? It is Josh Peterson. What's up, man? To, uh, hey, hey, I had to cut us off at like five, though, because, you know, Gerald was like, you want to do one on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday? And I was like, no, not enough time for that, man. But uh, Well, maybe, you know, if somebody pays us, that's show, different. You know? Somebody pays us. <laughs> well, it's great to have you aboard, my friend. I know you're stepping in. Uh, I know Friday's been your hard day for you to take on, but appreciate you jumping in for this episode, the special episode. I know you may not be able to stick out the entire way through, but we truly appreciate you stopping by. 
But the man who's taken over the hosting duties for the PCC Multiverse is my good friend indeed. Back and, and feeling good once again, and we're truly thankful for that. It is the man behind Castle Creative. You got to go ahead and check him out today on Twitter and Instagram. Castle with a K. F-P-B. It is Marcus de la Carza. And Marcus, great to have you back on the show once again. I'm glad you're feeling better. Yeah, no, I, I'm glad to be back. I uh, was feeling pretty rough last week. I was finger crossed it, it wasn't COVID and it wasn't, just had the flu. So got through it and feeling a lot better this week and I'm happy to be here. Happy to be able to sip on a beer this Wednesday as we sit around and talk some topics. Absolutely. And if you got questions for the show, you can always reach us at PopCultureCosmo on Twitter or PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. But we got a great episode lined up for 200 this week. No Ian Fine is stopping by later in the program to talk Animaniacs. Plus, we've got a lot of things we want to talk about on the slate today, including Garudes 2 is now here. Comes out at a very peculiar time. And how well do we think it's going to do at the box office? We'll talk about that coming up in a sec. Also as well, we're going to talk about the Avengers video game. Has it been a success or a failure? We'll talk about that. The Grammy nominations are out, and a lot of the usual suspects had obviously a good year indeed because there's a lot of Grammy nominations that were spread out, but one act in particular we think got robbed. So we'll talk about maybe why that is for the weekend and what happened with that and how he has responded. We'll talk about that coming up later in the program as well. The Undertaker, 30 years after his first appearance at Survivor Series, supposedly retired this past weekend and the reason why i say supposedly i'm going to throw this out there later on in the program do we actually think he's retired we'll talk about that coming up as well and of course we will talk about all the great things that are going on in pop culture right here on the pcc multiverse and again we thank you for being around for 200 episodes indeed but first off i just want to ask you this mr just josh today and marcus de la garza G4 recently had on YouTube its holiday reunion special as sort of a primer to get you back into G4 because it was announced that G4 is going to be revived in some form or fashion. Hasn't been quite laid out yet as far as how, whether it's going to be its own network again, whether it's going to be on just Twitch or it's going to be on foreign social media or it's going to be part of another streaming outlet or entity. Hasn't been really delved into yet, but... G4 was alive and well for at least one night for its holiday special. So I'll ask you this, Josh. First up, your thoughts on G4 coming back, the crew coming back, and if it is a good thing or if it is a thing we'll stick around this time around. So, okay, question here. Is everybody coming back or are these like new hosts we're talking Because there's Livia Munn. And who is her host on Attack of the Show? Kevin or- Pereira. Pereira, and then there was the the two people that did is Morgan and Adam, right? Yes, that did X Play, and that's pretty Darth. much the only thing that they, everybody remembers are those two shows. I mean, right. you, you, those were the only two good shows, though. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I just don't think that there's that many things that people remember about G Four, other than it played a ton of cops episodes and mm. uh, had obviously X Play and and Attack yeah. of the Show and had maybe just a little bit more, but Marcus, I want to ask you this now. I mean, is this something that we were excited for? Is this something that we wanted back in our lives? Because it really never 
had the kind of audience I think that they were looking for the first time around. I think it is. This is a nice rebirth, I would I would call this. I read a couple of articles where Comcast was talking about how they're building a new esports arena. And it seems like this might be in conjunction with NBC Universal at this point that G4 TV is coming back just in time for this new esports arena that they're talking about in this article. Haven't seen any official announcements yet, so I don't want to go ahead and say that's that's a thing, you know, an official thing. But I'll keep an eye out, and we'll share some news as soon as we get it. I do want to say this is something I'm excited for. I think G4 was ahead of its time. Yeah, and I agree. We're at a position now where esports being what they are, especially in this nation, G4 could very well succeed this time around. I, I'm really looking forward to this, guys. I am as well. I'm, I'm not saying I'm or I'm trying to give it any diss or any amount of hate or anything like that. I just there's a reason why it went off the air in the first place. But you're right. It was ahead of its time with all the streaming stuff that they did in a way that Josh, like like I know you're all coming on now. It, it was so funny because it, it showed a lot of gameplay footage, things of that nature. It was ahead of its time as far as the streaming aspect, the game playing aspect, even some game competitions that they had there. I want to hear your thoughts on G4, and do you think it's a good thing this time around? I'll definitely sit down and watch some. My big question here is, do you think that they're going to have to like, because I know ESPN has a lot of rights to uh, esports, and you know, you look at these big entities out there right now on YouTube, like Rooster Teeth and Kind of Funny and, and businesses like that. Do you think that in that type of climate, G4 is going to, to be able to survive because they would basically have to adapt all these different business models from their competitors to even make it so they are able to, uh, you know, pool an audience in. It sounds like they're leaning kind of on nostalgia right now, but they're going to have to figure out how to bring new generations of people into G4. Absolutely. Is that where, is that where maybe a Twitch integration or finding yeah. a way to, you know, yeah. something like that is going to immediately bring them to the yeah. the younger market that wasn't exposed to G4 the first time around. Yeah, and even like you look at podcasts and have people do game streaming. I don't know how the distribution rights go for the streams as far as like what ESPN has as far as esports goes. But like you said, if they're doing some kind of esports thing with what was it Comcast you said or Spectrum? Yeah, it was Comcast is uh, yeah. is the parent behind it. So so I mean, if, if that's something that they can get their hands in, then yeah, I can see them being successful. There's just a lot of steps they're going to have to take in the meantime. Well, the thing is, if you said Comcast is involved with it, could this maybe be branching off as a part of a Peacock, their subscription service? Yeah, I mean, obviously the Twitch integration, you talked about podcasts, you talked about all the stuff that's available now today. Marcus, do you think that could be somewhere where it might lead up as far as that's concerned? For a streaming service that add that on, that might be a little nice little uh, cherry on top for their entire packaging and, and promotional Sunday type deal. I mean, I just I just think that G4 has to have a, a, a regular home somewhere that people go ahead and connect to outside of just the regular Twitch, YouTube, and social media outlets. No, I, I thousand percent agree with that. You know, it's if you could slide into a, a Peacock or any of the online streaming services, and it, it sounds like it's going to end up being Peacock because they're all affiliated together, you know, via uh, NBC Universal, Comcast, that kind of thing. So I don't doubt that they'll end up on a streaming platform. It's just where they, how do they take advantage of it? How can this be marketed properly so that, you know, you can drive even more users to Peacock's platform via this esports channel? So let me ask you guys this. Do you think that perhaps not reinventing the entire network, maybe just having their popular shows like X-Play and Attack of the Show, 
and maybe putting it on a streaming service, do you think that that would work out better for them? Or do you think they really have like a, a great shot at creating an entire television network here? I would be part of another network. I don't think having them being its own entity this time around, it would meet the kind of the same fate. I mean, there's just not enough programming for them to go ahead and justify. There wasn't the first time around. When yeah. yeah, I mean, that that's the thing that, that cost them in the first place. There wasn't enough reasons to watch in the first place. I know they've added some individuals like, for instance, WWE's Xavier Woods is now joining G4 in some capacity. And like you said, the hosts of both X-Play and Attack of the Show are coming back. Obviously, they enjoyed their time at G4 enough. And yes, there's probably a lot of money involved in getting them back. But obviously, they love being part of G4 enough to say, you know what? We want to bring this back, especially Olivia Munn, who you know works as an actress. She's in movies. She hasn't had the greatest career yet. I mean, she's been with some movies that hasn't done as well as she would like. But Did you say her career has been an apocalypse. Uh, something Ooh. like that. Something like that. But you know, she's she's still a working actress out there in Hollywood. So you know, it can't be cheap to bring her in. But at least it shows that everybody on G Four they liked to be a part of G4 in the past and they like to be a part of it again in the future. Yeah. And just because what I'm thinking about right now is that there's a whole bunch of new like hurdles to jump through that weren't there before, you know, they went off the air, I think right before like the rise of streaming services. So like that's a whole new competition that they have to get themselves into and learn how to navigate. I'm looking at it from that standpoint and wondering with like cable already on the decline, what are the odds of an entire channel being successful here. Well, that's where you've got the the money of Comcast behind you to really drive this plan home, just in the sense of, you know, when you've got enough money to buy whatever studios you want, you can guarantee the success and failure of this G4's return. Sure, just inject it with money. <laughs> it solves everything. Solves a lot of things indeed. Well, what are your thoughts out there on G4? Do you think it's something that's going to work the second time around? Do you think it should be part of an existing streaming service? For instance, if it's Comcast owned, maybe they should join up with Peacock and be a part of that along with the YouTubes and the Facebooks and the Twitches of the world. Plus getting out all the stuff that you see IGN or even the pop culture cosmos do on a weekly basis. We want to hear your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com if G4 can work. A second time around. Hey, this is Chad from Ghost Toasters, and you're listening to Pop Culture Cosmos Podcast. For the latest news and information, analysis, and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, check out the Lakers Fast Break Podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. We're back again on the PCC Multiverse number 200. And I'm here with both Marcus and Josh today. We cannot thank you enough for watching. We truly appreciate it. The Avengers video game. It's been out for a few months now. I know it's going to be heavily discounted or it has been heavily discounted for Black Friday because it's going to be dropping on Black Friday. So it's been heavily discounted. So if you want a great price on the Avengers, now's the time to go ahead and get it throughout the weekend. But I want to ask you this. Marvel's Avengers, according to Square Enix, there's so much marketing and development involved that it has not made its development budget back. And that tells me that, first of all, it costs a lot of money to make. 
and it also has not sold what what has been expected. So it's not actually garnered the kind of sales that it's needed to. I don't want to say it's been a failure, but it certainly hasn't garnered the kind of interest I think Square Enix would like. So I want to ask you this, Josh and Marcus, what are your thoughts on the failure of the Marvel's Avengers video game? Because obviously if the reviews out there from a lot of fans I've talked to have been disappointing. And the fact is that a lot of people have moved on from the Marvel's Avengers and gone on to other things. Yeah, so I know I was reading about this game back before it launched, and a lot of people who worked on it thought that the game wasn't ready to be released. And I I think that that's one of the big issues. And it's just sad for, like, it's Crystal Dynamic, I think, makes this one. They have this reputation of making games that a lot of people play. Tomb Raider games. Tomb Raider, yeah. A lot of people play, but then they just remember them as being okay afterwards, you know? Because, like, the new Tomb Raider game is amazing, but the last one was just, it was not very memorable. You know, it's just like, okay, that was cool. I'm glad I played that. I wonder if that's how people are feeling about Avengers. So, I, you know, and I'm talking to Brian on the Super BS Games cast, and he was saying he played it, and it's fun, but it also feels very incomplete. And I'm wondering if the mixture of that and some of the decisions they've made as far as like exclusive content to Sony or exclusive content to Microsoft has kind of damaged the way people see that game. What are you guys' thoughts on that? Go ahead, Marcus. Yeah, Gerald, I was going to say, we talked about this game about a month and a half ago, if I remember correctly. And, mm-hmm. you know, when, when we talked about it then, we were kind of hanging our hat on the multiplayer aspect, if I remember correctly, because the storyline had widely been, you know, regarded as kind of just whatever. And, you know, looking at the numbers here, Square Enix reported a $62 million quarterly loss, and they're thinking about 49.6 of that is going to be coming from this Avengers game itself. And that's uh, that's not a whole, I mean, in the whole type of uh, deal, this is that's not a huge, huge loss. I mean, that's that's something that, what, GTA in, in its infancy made that in, what, the first hour or so you know because right yeah so i mean it's it's not gonna it's not gonna turn out well in the long term for the avengers because it just doesn't look like it was a game that was really that complete yeah and and you know at at, uh so just the article i was looking at it's essentially sports.com they what they're talking about is the game was probably anywhere from 170 to 190 million to make they only sold three million units so i mean do the math they're they're hurting right now and it's I think Josh hit the nail on the head. It's incomplete, and you can tell from the gameplay that's been posted online. Kind of floating around the internet right now. It seems to be, you guys had mentioned multiplayer. It seems to be that... Floating around the internet. I'm just floating around the internet. A lot of people are fleeing the game because the multiplayer is just issues with matchmaking. And if this is deciding the fate of the game, it sounds like a lot of people picked this up because they wanted that multiplayer aspect, and it just didn't deliver. Well, there are many reasons why... Like you said, the Marvel's Avengers video game did not deliver. And unfortunately, the fact that it's overall not a great game to play, as many were hoping for. I told you before, for me, a lot of it started with the fact that even though there are some of the top name voice actors involved with Avengers, it just wasn't the Avengers for me. To me, it was like playing through an Avengers cartoon, like the Avengers Assembled, like you're watching it on Disney+. Plus does not sound legitimate. And if I'm paying 60 bucks for a video game, although this weekend you're probably paying closer to 20 bucks on it, it seems like to me that it was just not something I want to spend that much money on if I'm not getting the full Avengers movie-like experience. Because that's what they were talking about. That's what they wanted to 
closer emulating. They didn't want to emulate it closer to the Avengers Assembled TV show that you can watch on DC, Disney+. Plus. They wanted it closer to the actual movies that you've been seeing time in and time out. And if that's the, the type of image you want to create, unfortunately, you got to get the people behind it. you got to get the stars involved behind it. you got to pay whatever it is you can to get them involved on it and then have a story large enough and broad enough to go ahead and be able to support that. I think the campaign was a little bit disappointing from what I've seen so far and the extended footage I've seen just tells me that I don't want to go ahead and buy this and pick this up just because I just don't think it's fulfilling enough. Maybe I'll pick it up on the bargain on the cheap, but that's not going to help Crystal Dynamics in the long run. So we'll go ahead and finish off this conversation when it comes to the Marvel Avengers. Marcus, I'll start with you. When it comes to the Marvel's Avengers video game, where did it truly go wrong? Everywhere. It was incomplete. It lacked everything it needed as far as the matchmaking went, as Josh just talked about with the multiplayer. And it just didn't feel like it was a complete marketing of the game itself. And I think a lot of that's probably uh, owed to the fact that they knew it was incomplete and they didn't want to shell out even more money on, on something that was going to be a loss. Josh? So the sad thing is here is that you have the recipe for a perfect superhero game, right? Look at the Arkham games, the Batman ones. That is how you do it. Like, that's what people want. If you're not going to have a multiplayer aspect to the game that functions, you need to make it like the Arkham games. That is the golden standard right now. You know, and as for your point, Gerald, I think you're right. I mean, I think you have a good point as far as the films go. If they were to have made the story connected to the MCU in some way, I think that we would be seeing a lot different numbers because there are a lot of people out there who I know are like me. They have obsessions with continuity. So how much that would have affected the numbers, I don't know, but I think it would have sold quite a few more copies. Absolutely. I think it would have sold quite a few more copies as well. And I'm just disappointed over the fact that the Avengers video game has not met up to the standards it's still going to take a loss, uh, at least for now. Marcus was saying just under $50 million could be attributed to it at this point in time. And that's, that's disappointing for Square Enix. I know they put a lot into the game, a lot into the development as far as costs, money, time, etc., and Crystal Dynamics. This will be more like a, actually like a, a, a bad, a, a disappointing slot. Not to the extent of... of failures that we've seen maybe from fallout 76 and maybe a couple other games of recent past like for instance the last game from bioware just some of these games that that have really failed on a cataclysmic level the game has just overall been kind of disappointing and that's to me very very disappointing as well and so i want to hear your thoughts out there from everyone why did the avengers video game fail in your eyes we want to hear your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well, guys, before we hit the half-hour break and knowing and fine talking about the first season of Animaniacs, I want to get to this, the Grammys, something we don't talk about enough, music. And well, we're the Pop Culture Cosmos show. We should talk about pop music a little bit more. But the Grammys nominations just came out as we're recording this. And, of course, there's a lot of the usual individuals that we see that garner the Grammy Awards nominations. All the usual suspects seem to be there, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, so many others that we've seen time in and time out. But there's one name that has dominated pop music in 2020 that is not there, that really sticks out to me. And he has also spoken out on his thoughts about being looked over and passed over. And that's The weekend. 
And regardless of whether you like his music or not, to me, it's irregardless. He has built quite a plethora of hits so far in 2020. Josh, I want to hear your thoughts first before we hit up markets. Tell me your thoughts on why you think The weekend was passed up. I mean, there, again, Taylor Swift, Beyonce, all the other great artists that are there, they deserve everything they get as far as the nominations. But not having the biggest artist for 2020 in The weekend, not being part of the Grammys as far as nominations are concerned, I think something's wrong. Okay, so my question, I don't know a lot about the Grammys, all right? I'm like, I'm not into the whole award world. I don't know how it works. So I need to know, are they nominated by a board here or is this based on votes? It's, it's based on votes, like like similar to what we see with the uh, the Academy Awards. There's a group of individuals, I believe they vote, you know, if you've been awarded before and it does. Okay, so it seems like this is maybe a there's some kind of like system of bias working here. Like they know who they want to win. And as long as they had a new album come out that year, that's who the nominations are going to be. I mean, Uh, I I feel it coming is is a great song. I I just don't understand. I mean, yeah, yeah, Blinding Lights has has been his big hit. That's been that's probably going to be the number one hit of 2020 is Blinding Lights. Guys, that song has 1.7 billion plays on Spotify. Yeah. I mean, yeah. How, how do you walk away, uh, not even nominate the person that has that many plays on a song that debuted in March? Blinding Lights, again, I feel it coming. The Blinding Lights is going to be the number one song on Sirius XM, just to give you an idea as well. I mean, that's not so secret because they dominated the charts on Sirius XM. And I'm assuming when it comes down to what Billboard has, it's going to be high up there too. So... I don't know. There's something wrong here. Well, I wouldn't say something fishy in Denmark and the old adage there, but something really smells here when when the weekend has that kind of success and is not able to go ahead and earn that kind of critical acclaim. Because he, he seemingly he's had it everywhere else. I mean, okay. So do you think that these numbers would look different if the voting system didn't work off of like a board of individuals and instead had open online voting for everybody? Do you think that would look different? I mean, that's just the People's Choice Awards at that point, right? Yeah. Like you right. you have to have a committee of, of industry professionals, you know, at that point. But I, I'm with you. I think there needs to be some transparency here because this isn't the first time that we've seen a, I, I don't want to even call him a rap artist because he's not, he's a, he's like an R&B pop guy. I mean, uh, like he's got, I mean, his songs flash back to the eighties. Not only do. did, not only does yeah. his voice sound like Michael Jackson, but for instance, Blinding Lights sounds to me like the old Rod Stewart song. Just it's to me, it just has that tinge of 80s and early 90s music and to me it's a nice flashback so i I don't i don't get it i just don't get it well i was gonna say that you know this just feels like just the continuation of the 2014 debacle where kendrick lamar's good kid mad city should have won and everybody acknowledged that and somehow macklemore ended up taking the the prize that night and 10 minutes after the award to to text kendrick lamar hey man you got robbed i mean this is a, a committee that's totally disconnected i think at this point in time and it sounds like they need to just refresh and uh, get some, some younger like blood in there. Now, I will say the representation of women, of, of people of different ethnicities. I mean, there are rap artists, there are country, there there is pop. I mean, there is different ethnicities involved in it. So, I mean, that is obviously very good to see. But when you pass over an individual such as The Weeknd, who has just done so many great hits this year and dominated 2020, it's head scratching. It's definitely head scratching. And he's going to be performing at the Super Bowl, and it sounds like that might have been the sticking point with the Grammys. So he was negotiating. Why is that? Why is that? All the other big artists get to go ahead and and. Oh yeah, Beyonce. She's been on the Super yeah. Bowl. 
Yeah, but it, so he's he's performing this year, and the Grammys wanted him to perform as well, and he was negotiating both performances, and then he got no nominations. So he tweeted last night, you know, collaboratively planning a performance for weeks to not being invited. In my opinion, zero nominations equals you're not invited. So, I mean, like, it's clear that this man is upset, and he, he has a right to be, especially if he was working through a performance schedule with them for 2021 Grammys. Then, yeah, you would expect you were going to be nominated to some degree. And especially with the year he had, I'm with you, Gerald. There's no reason he should not have been nominated. He had an interview already, and he's his quote. I think it's the it's actually one word. I mean, obviously there was more to it than that, but the one word "corrupt" came up in regards to him not getting any nominations and speaking about the Academy for the music arts that takes care of this, as far as the Grammys is concerned. I'd have to say something is corrupt when a guy that can have that kind of success and blow up the way The Weeknd has and have the great songs that he has and not one is nominated in any category. So, Josh, I want to hear your thoughts on this before we head back to Marcus one more time. What do you think went wrong? Because it does sound like something is very corrupt. Yeah, I mean, I think Marcus had a good point when he said they are disconnected from the people who are actually watching the Grammys who are actually into music. Like I'm, I don't know if it's a series of personal biases or they're very genre specific, but there's an issue here where they are disconnected from the world of up and coming musicians. And that is something that should be addressed sooner rather than later, especially with, you know, in these, this, these times when all these awards show the, the viewership of these shows is dropping significantly. But they quickly jumped on the Billie Eilish train last year and they jumped on on the train this year nominating her again i am insinuating something i think something is is fishy i think something is corrupt when the weekend does he he angered somebody i don't know it's just that's interesting tmz i'm looking at article here that that blatantly says that because he chose the super bowl he lost the grammys uh it's supposed to be supposed to be a board it's supposed to be a collective group of individuals that shouldn't even care where he's playing yeah, but we know, I guess from experience over the last decade, that the Grammys has totally botched some of their actual award shows well, that's, uh, when that's it comes some, to nominations. That's every show. It's I mean, weird because, like I said, why would it be okay for Beyonce to do the Super Bowl and be in the Grammys in the same year? Because she's done that before. I'm with you, Josh. I think they were trying to have that exclusive performance, and they thought they probably had it secured. And then the NFL came in and, and asked The weekend if he wanted to perform, and he said yes. And that probably you know, really made him mad. Well, it's certainly not the first time an award show has passed over a much-deserving artist. In this case, the Grammys passing over the weekend. And guys, it certainly will not be the last. What are your thoughts out there on the weekend getting passed over on the Grammy nominations? We want to hear your thoughts. Are you as angry or as mad as social media? And even us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos that appreciates the music and realizes that the weekend is really truly something special this year in 2020 shares your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com coming up next we've got knowing and fine from honey queen he's going to be dropping some knowledge on animaniacs season one that's coming up right after the break this is the pcc multiverse Coming soon, Zero Cool Films presents Action Figure Adventure. Super collector Jay Bartlett hits the road once again in search of action figures, most iconic and noteworthy and rare figures, all in the name of creating the most ultimate action figure auction ever. He fronts the cash that charity benefits in the end. What will he get? How will he get it? And how well will he do? Find out in 2020. 
on PCC Multiverse 200. We're back with the show. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here. It's the Animaniacs on Hulu. They have returned. They have been revived. And I know we talked about this on a previous episode in anticipation for them to come back, but season one has already dropped on Hulu. And here today to talk about his thoughts on it because it's getting mixed reaction along the internet and also as well with critics. Some have liked it, some have that, eh, it's, it's seen better. So here today to talk about the Animaniacs coming back is a good man indeed. You got to catch what he's doing at Honey Queen and also the Honey Outcasts. The guy who saved our butts last week sitting in a big chair, it is none other than Noah Ian Fine. And Noah, I'm going to say this right now to you and your family, the best of holiday seasons. I know we're recording this just before Thanksgiving, so I wish you safety, wish you happiness, and I wish you also an awesome Thanksgiving. Same to you, sir. As for Animaniacs, yes, it's going to be an ongoing debate. This is a revival. And about, I'll answer your questions very quickly. 80% of me enjoys this revival. 20% does not. It is definitely worth a Hulu subscription. And not only are you getting the new Animaniacs, but also the Hulu uh, subscription, you're getting old school Animaniacs if you don't like the revival, and you're also getting the Pinky the Brain series as well as Tiny Toons. It's not a bad deal. The 80% of Animaniacs, the revival, I should say, is what I enjoy is, is that they were reanimated by Spielberg. So they never went away. They never said how they left, but for 20 plus years, they were just gone and the tower was abandoned, and now they're just going back. Spielberg decided to reanimate them in the back. And the problem is that they don't know what's happened in 22 years. So they have these two-part episodes in the first... Uh, well, the segments in the first episode that there's a new CEO, and Wacko, Yakko, and Dot go to the tower. They clean things up. They take a tablet, which is a tablet computer, and they pretty much sing a song about catching up of what they missed in 22 years that they weren't on the air, which is not bad. It's not a bad song because anime is, is known for their songs. So right then and there, it was worth it. As for not bringing back the other characters, as a 20% that I'm not enjoying because we don't have Rita and Runts and we don't have Buttons and Mindy and we don't have the good feathers. And again, I know that what was great about the original Animaniacs it was Looney Tunes from the 90s. That you had a mixture of different characters. And it was also great that they were a little extra on time. They would do these little segments like Wheel of Morality, or they would have Mr. Skullhead and Good Idea, Bad Idea. But unfortunately, the 20%, again, that doesn't like this, that want to decide not to bring back Tom Roger, who was the original creator as well as producer of the series, the writing is a mixed bag. I don't mind it so much because it still feels like old-school Animaniacs in a way where they're still sarcastic. It's still for both the teen crowd and the college and adult-level crowd, the way that the original Animaniacs turned out to be. Because originally it was supposed to be a kid's show, but the writing became so sarcastic that it became for the older crowd. That's why... Old school Animaniacs and new school still holds up. That's that was the whole point. That's why we got Freakazoid as well. And Spielberg, of course, as executive producer, was okay with this. 
problem is that when you just have Yakko, Wacko, and Dot and Pinky and the Brain, which I have nothing against, they can only carry this. I mean, Pinky and the Brain have their own series for three years. They could carry their own series if they wanted to, and people have been clamoring for them to come back. I have nothing against Pinky and the Brain. It, it, it's also a revival for them as well. Uh, they're back in Acme, Acme Labs. They're still trying to take over the world. Brain is a little angrier than he was the last time we saw him because in 1997, 1998, he wanted to take over the world but make it for a better place. He seems to be back about wanting complete and total domination. And, and Pinky is still Pinky. He's still with the Cockney accent and he's still playing off of Brain. He still has his heart of gold. I wouldn't so much say stupidity, but he's got, you know, he's Pinky. They also brought in a couple new characters, but the biggest con as well, I feel, is the animation. Because it's cleaned up internet flash animation in a way that I feel. And for the squashing and stretching of characters and for their expressiveness, it worked better with hand-drawn animation. That's what I really enjoy growing up and watching. When you try to do it with this type of animation, it's really freaky. Doesn't bother me, but there's an episode where you have the Warner Brothers and Sister going up against Pennywise the Clown. And it's from the 2017-19 versions of It. And Wacko tries to imitate Pennywise. And the problem is, is that when it's done up close, it may freak out any kid under seven. Uh, there's another moment where... Pinky and the Brain are also, they're, they're having these maniacal laughs. And there's also new characters of Arnon 2 that, that has a nervous breakdown of the brain's mind control. And it's really disturbing with this type of animation. One other thing to spoil as well is that what happened to all the other characters, it's already been discussed. There's an episode where they were supposedly killed off with the exception of Chicken Boo. And it turns out that Chicken Boo was upset he's not back for the revival. So he's killed off all the other characters. He's going to kill off Wacko, Yakko, and Dunn, and, and, and Pinky and the Brain. But it turns out that at the end of the episode, all the other characters are alive. They're not speaking roles, and they're chasing off Chicken Boo. Fans were confused. They finally got some behind-the-scenes drama that Tom Ruger is upset that he could not come back, that Warner Brothers going another direction, that the new creators didn't like the old characters. It's confusing. And, it, and it's bothering fans. I think that's why it's getting so many mixed reviews. I have nothing, again, not to be repetitious, I have nothing against these five characters. It's only so much that they can carry a variety show. And if Pinky and the Brain had their own show again, I wouldn't complain. But I just feel that, unfortunately, they do their 7 to 11-minute shtick, and then they have five minutes left over, and they're just like continuing to beat a dead horse. But is this series rewatchable? Yes. Is there going to be a second season? Yeah. And would I prefer a couple more for this series, for this revival? Yeah. I would say maybe another two or three, but there really has to be a lot of changes. And I think the biggest one will be the animation and bringing back not all. And I understand why some can't come back. But bringing back some of them to make it a variety again. The songs, as I said, not to be repetitious, are awesome. They have a rap battle. And it's not like the 1990s rap. 
this is like a, a 21st century rap battle that you have the Warner Brothers going against a JCZ type of character. And this, and they play it almost like Eight Mile. And I was afraid they were going to regurgitate on an older episode where they battled William Shatner in a karaoke fight. But no, one has nothing to do with the other. They're not regurgitating on the first season. They're still breaking the fourth wall. They're still talking about the first season now and then. But they are trying to move forward. And I appreciate that aspect. It's still, I mean, back then and now, I've always found it to be a B rating. I've never laughed out loud so much with the old school, even with this one, but it's enjoyable. And I feel that because it's enjoyable for me, again, I said what I in the beginning, I'll say now it's worth the subscription, it's worth your time, it's worth the rewatchability. The rest is really going to be, unfortunately, if you're really having the nostalgia glasses with the nostalgia goggles. I think that's what's going to throw off your opinion on this. And that's going to be a giant issue because, again, it's still a kid's cartoon with surprisingly humor that's going over a little kid's head. That That's that's your decision on how you feel about the then and now. Well, we'll find out more about how successful it was for Hulu in the coming weeks and months. Disney will probably let that slip out and then... We'll see if it gets renewal, although I'm sure if Steven Spielberg's behind it, you're not going to go ahead unless it's a total flop and not guarantee at least another season of Animaniacs. I think a lot of people are looking forward to catching this. I know the the critics are out there that have been kind of eh on the fence about it, but it's good to hear some good positive words again from you, Noah, in regards to this. And I just truly appreciate you taking the time to speaking today about the first season of Animaniacs. And again, my friend, I wish you and everyone out there all the best as far as that's concerned. But before we head on out, please give us a shot on exactly what you're doing and what you're saying and what you're talking about at Hunnicween on Facebook. Right now, I'm just sharing a lot of podcasts. I'm doing some vlogs here and there. My podcast should be coming out of retirement. You know, I, I know you talked about The Undertaker a while ago. So, you know, never say never. So I should be back in January with my stuff. Until then, I'm just doing a lot of guesting and a lot of critiques. So on Facebook, on Hunnicween, posting and sharing your stuff, as well as some other things. And again, thank you for uh, letting me rant about probably one of the most underrated Spielberg cartoons ever. And we truly thank you for everything that you've done for us right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the show. It's the PC Multiverse. Want to thank so much Noe and Fine from Hunnicween and the Hunnic Outcast for dropping his knowledge out there on season one of the Animaniacs on Hulu. Want to thank him so much for taking the time to do so on PC Multiverse 200. Well, Josh, we want to thank you so much for 200 episodes of the PCC Multiverse. Any last thoughts before you head on out? 
No, no, it's been quite a ride. And, you know, with, with more stuff like the Grammys popping up in the news, I imagine we're going to have another five years of pop culture to talk about. So thank you to everybody who has been with us on this journey so far. We haven't quite reached Mordor yet. So look forward to another, uh, you know, several episodes of Pop Culture Cosmos before we get there. I see you guys trying to go ahead and prevent me from trying to put on that ring and trying to go and disappear just before I, I give you guys the ultimate fake out and throw it into you know, Mount Doom and all that. Yeah, so. well, it's because power goes to your head real easy. So hey, yeah, it does. That's what the fellowship is for. You know, we're here to keep you in line. Yeah. yeah. But then again, you know, Frodo's the big hero. I don't get that. Frodo is yet the hero for going 99% of the way. But then Sam, it should be the oh. one that's, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sam all the way. Yeah, Sam all the way indeed. But, you know, yeah, yeah. But but my friend, it's been great having you aboard. We cannot thank you enough for being a part of 200 episodes of the PCC Multiverse. I will see you and Marcus and hopefully everyone as well at IndiePods United. It's going to be a great time indeed. It's going to be happening this Sunday. We're going to be live. For more information, it's IndiePodsUnited.com. You can go ahead and get tickets today for the best virtual convention for podcasting out there in 2020 five days of panels five days of workshops music comedians and of course podcast after podcast after podcast after podcast coming at you five days straight it is going to be a great time indeed i'm going to be a part of it these guys will as well it is this sunday we're going to be there for a 30 minute episode a special episode of the pop culture cosmos that's going to be landing on the 29th this sunday so you want to be part of it today, get your tickets. It's just a few dollars each and every day. So you want to go ahead and check it out, IndiePodsUnited.com. Get your tickets through there. It'll send you over to Eventbrite so you can go ahead and be part of all the fun. And if you want to be a podcaster, are a podcaster, or just love podcasts in general, please be a part of our show, IndiePods United, starting on the 29th and running to December 3rd. Well, my friend, I appreciate it. You want to go ahead and sign off right now, or? Yeah, that's I'm I'm taking off. Thanks, guys. I appreciate it. It's always fun to have these special episodes where there's more than just two people. You know, looking forward to Sunday. Well, I wanted to say a personal thank you. I know Marcus got something to say, but I wanted to send a personal thank you, my friend, for sticking with me all these years. And I truly appreciate everything that you've done for Pop Culture Cosmos and and everything that we've brought together since we started. Since Rob McCallum. Shout out to him, director of Nintendo Quest and so many other great things are out there. Action figure adventure and box art of docu-series for him suggesting we do this show on a twice a week basis. So I appreciate you sticking with me all these years, my friend, and I, I wish you continued success. Thank you. Yeah, this is our field of dreams. We'll maintain it. There you go, indeed. Marcus, I know you have any last thoughts on before. Yeah, Josh I just is? wanted to say, you know, thank you to to you and Josh both. You you guys have put in the hard work that has allowed me to to show up, you know, on Fridays and and be a co-host here for the last few months. And so I I really appreciate everything you guys have done. And you know, two hundred is a very special thing. We'll get to four hundred and have another one. There we so. go. Oh, that's a lot of editing time <laughs> for me. <laughs> okay, well we'll do it. All right, sounds good. All right, see you guys. Take care, my friend. All the best. See you this weekend. Late. My friend, we've still got more to talk about on today's program. The Croods 2, believe it or not, they dropped Wednesday their movie out to theaters, which, again, as you know, in the middle of a pandemic, that's kind of like a problem. 
Disney Soul had the spot and decided to move out of it, and they're now actually going to be appearing on Christmas straight to Disney Plus at no extra charge. And I think that's a smart move because I'm really looking forward to seeing Soul on Disney Plus. But the Croods 2 dropped this past week to theaters. Do you think that was a good move? I mean, this is, I, I don't know if there, anybody was really excited for it or anybody was really expecting it, but it is the sequel to a fairly hit movie the first time around. Do you think it was in their best interest to drop to theaters in, in the middle of a pandemic? You know, we've been talking about this for two months. I don't think it was a great idea. I'm not sure why. And it might just come down to obligations, right? We had to give you something. Here's the Croods 2. It had some good domestic success. I think if I remember correctly, the Croods had 184 domestically. And and well over $300, $400 million total at the box office worldwide. So it was a financial success. That's obviously why they're doing number two. But to drop it now, it just seems like they're throwing that out there to fail. It really does, but I I think this cast might help them here. You know, it's Nick Cage coming back, Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds. They've got Peter Dinklage this time around. That's a lot of money you're dropping on voice talent. That's a lot of money you're dropping on voice talent, but apparently the budget for this one was $65 million, So, I mean, they cut it down slightly compared to the last one. We'll see how that turns out. And animation, you think, would have been just as expensive, but, you know, maybe with technology, we're, we're coming around here. This is going to be an interesting turnaround here for this movie. We're going to be looking at, uh, I think it's Christmas Day is their video on demand release date. But that's when everybody else is dropping theirs. The Wonder Woman is dropping theirs. The 30th Monster Hunter is going to theaters, which again, I, I just boggles my mind, as right, I stated yeah. before on a previous Pop Culture Cosmos. But that's a movie that doesn't have the highest expectations in the world. But The Croods 2 doesn't either, but it still has some decent expectations. And to not drop now, this week, simultaneously, I don't mind you dropping on the theaters right now. I, I don't think that's a bad move as long as you're dropping day and date video on demand. To delay it like a normal movie release at this point in time is damaging because people will forget about The Crudes 2 even a month later. Even Christmas, because you've got so many other options that are viable, plus everybody gathering around the Christmas tree and things of that nature. They're going to only commit to a couple things. might be just Soul, that'll be on Disney+. Plus. It might be just Wonder Woman, that's going to be on HBO Max. I mean, those are the things that people are going to commit to more than just going ahead and dishing out $15 for the Croods too. I just don't think it was a smart move on their part. They might have taken some stock and and looked at who else is coming out on on Christmas Day. You know, the Croods, too, is going to be is really aimed at that that younger crowd. The families that might not be able to watch Wonder Woman with their small children. Right. So this might have been a very calculated move by him. I don't think it was, but (laughs) I'm trying to give him the benefit of the doubt here, Gerald. And it it just feels like the move to pigeonhole this one into being a, a failure. Well, let me ask you this, because The Croods 2, I think, is that a universal release, if I'm not mistaken, who that is? Yeah, it's universal. It's DreamWorks did the animation on it. So I want to ask you this. Why didn't this just go straight to maybe Peacock? I mean, we go back to Peacock again to give them some love on today's episode. It's not HBO Max this time around. It's not Netflix this time around. It's not Disney Plus, Hulu. If it's a universal property, it would have gone to... Peacock. Peacock. That would have been a big boost for Peacock to come out this week. I agree with you. And this is a failed business plan is what it is. Um, You know, you hate to see that. And it sounds like, you know, they've had this script ready to go for a little bit and they finally were able to make it happen. And 
I'm with you. This feels like a failure. It should have been on Peacock as well this week. As soon as it hit the theaters, it should have been on Peacock. Boom, you're making money on both ends. You really don't have to worry about how big of a flop it's going to be at the theaters, which is going to impact its numbers by the time it hits the streaming services. Because there's almost always a disconnect whether or not it comes out a few weeks later. People will just forget about it or people just say, oh, yeah, I'll catch it. Like Tenet. Tenet coming out months, months later after its theatrical release where it's been trying to bleed every single penny it can. And it's only been able to garner $350 million worldwide when you and I both talked about previously and, and Josh and I have talked about previously about it could have garnered in a regular normal environment up to a billion dollars because of the yep. look and way people would have been fascinated by it. And it's only done 350, but coming out months later to video on demand seemingly is going to say, you know what? People might watch it. I know I'm going to watch on video demand, but I don't think it's going to have as big an interest because people have forgotten about Tenet. And no matter all the publicity you're going to do in the world, all promotion in the world, you may not have that type of reach you would have had had you done a day and date. I think it really would have done very well back in the day had it gone day and date, video on demand, and theatrical. I think that would have been in their best interest if they were going to go ahead and have to do that instead of delaying it. And the same thing goes for the crudes too. That's a shame, man. It's just a shame because, you know, this is a, a high-profile cast and not many people even know Ryan Reynolds is actually a part of the crudes too. I mean, yeah. it's not even advertised. I would throw that out there. Emma Stone, Ryan Reynolds, these are two major movie stars that you should be pushing out there to go ahead and help sell this film. That's another mistake on their part. I mean, you've got... Catherine Keener, Kelly Marie Tran's also part of this movie. You should be pushing these names out there. Leslie Mann, these are all movie stars that you should be pushing out there as far as not just flashing their names on the screen for like one second on the commercial. I mean, I don't get it, man. I just think this is something where it has so much more potential if it had been delayed to next year, perhaps, when people might be more apt to go to the theaters once the vaccines are, are around and a little bit more prevalent. Or just going ahead day and date and promoting the heck out of who's starring in it, man. It's just, it just seems to me very disappointing that Universal kind of blew it when it comes to The Croods 2. A new age. So you tell us if a new age is going to work for The Croods, but I certainly don't think so. And I don't think Marcus does as well. But we want to hear your thoughts on The Croods, A New Age. Share us your thoughts. If you're interested in seeing it now on demand... Or not at all. We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough. And also Josh Peterson enough for being part of it. And also give a big shout out to Noe and Fine and everyone out there who has supported us over the years. We cannot thank you enough for listening and for watching. It's just been truly a sensational ride for 200 episodes of the PC Multiverse. But before we head on out, my friend, it is The Undertaker. And I want to talk to you about this because you and I have an affinity for pro wrestling. You, we've talked in vast about AEW and the WWE. Undertaker at Survivor Series this past weekend, they had this big old ceremony. And all these dignitaries from the pro wrestling background were there to congratulate him on his success. And he said in his Undertaker deadpan drawl, per se, that he normally has that he's done, he's finished, he's putting the boots up. So I want to hear your thoughts, my friend, on this. 
because Mark Calloway has been someone that I've watched even beforehand when he goes back to world-class championship wrestling and his time as Mean Mark in WCW and even going back to Memphis wrestling. So I want to hear your thoughts on Mean Mark Calloway and his involvement into The Undertaker. But obviously the big question, and this is always the big question when it comes to sports entertainment, a.k.a. pro wrestling, is he going to stay retired? That remains to be seen. But how do you walk away from this profitable of a character? I'm sure that he'll be featured, maybe not in matches, but he'll be a entertainment figure moving forward. If you look back on his accomplishments, he had that 21-win streak going at WrestleMania there for a while. Being but that's for, the WWE uh, telling you you're going to win 21 straight. Let's get to put that in perspective. That's yeah, because his, okay. his gimmick was so over. Credit goes to Vince McMahon and the folks that originally created the Undertaker character. Right, right. And he took the character and ran with it, just like Stone Cold Steve Austin. And many other people, if they were given this gimmick, would have failed miserably. Or just would have been something we would have laughed about a long time ago. Remember that dude that they had that was like the Undertaker guy? That was so funny. Mark, used to say, rest in peace, and yeah, everyone thought it was great. Yeah. yeah. The Undertaker has taken that and evolved his character when he did the American Badass, and, and then he evolved it back into, once again, the Dead Man. That's a credit to him, and he's done a great job with it. Obviously, again, Vince McMahon, everybody in WWE for helping him go along that side, and 21 straight victories, that's attributed to his success, his character getting over. Again, it comes down to pro wrestling, and, and the fact is, yes, he did announce his retirement, he did have that ceremony, but it was in the middle of a pandemic where there's no crowd, there's no live audience. When it comes to pro wrestling, as you've seen over the course of many, many years, and I'll start off with Terry Funk, and I'll probably end with Terry Funk, nobody's really retired. I think he has one more match in front of a live audience at a WrestleMania in front of a live stadium crowd. And I don't think this past weekend was going to be the final time we see The Undertaker in any way, shape, or form. He's had a very successful career. I'm with you. I don't think he's done. His half-brother by storyline, Kane, retired back in 2018. We'll have to see if Kane maybe shows up to... And he's come back for matches. So yeah. Yeah, don't give me that. I mean, he's a mayor and he still comes back for matches. So don't give yeah, me... That, that's the crazy part. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I've watched pro wrestling too long. Maybe not 2021, but 2022, 2023. I would say there is going to be a final match in front of a live audience at a WrestleMania during that time. That's my money. I'm sticking to it. I've seen too many people in this industry say they're retired, and they always come back. A thousand percent. And just I want to take a second and acknowledge, you know, you, you really did point out that they kind of had everybody there. They pulled out of the stops for his retirement. You had Ric Flair there. You had, God, I can't even name everybody Ric anymore. Flair! Ric Flair has retired. Remember, Shawn Michaels retired him at a WrestleMania, and he came yes. back to Impact. And he's wrestled yes. in Independence. Don't, yeah, yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. No. All right. Let's just call it. He's coming back. That's it. And I'll be all. What are your thoughts out there on The Undertaker retiring, quote unquote, this past weekend at Survivor Series? Do you actually think it's a done deal for the dead man? Do you actually think he's finally saying to his wrestling career, rest in peace? Share us your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, my friend, it's been a great episode. Cannot thank you enough. Cannot thank Josh enough, Noe and Fine, and everybody out there listening and watching us on the PCC Multiverse. But after 200 episodes, 
Any last thoughts on the way out? Thank you to the Pop Culture Cosmos family. You know, that includes all the fans there for making this as successful as it has been. It's been a lot of fun over the last few months to come in here and, and be a co-host on the Friday show. You know, it's been a lot of fun to be able to do this with you guys, and I'm looking forward to 200 more and having all the guests that we can to really drive home the entertainment value for you guys. We truly appreciate everybody watching, everybody listening to us right here on the PCC Multiverse. So for Marcus De La Garza and Josh Peterson, it's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great We are the Cigar Nerds Podcast. Do you like cigars? Great! We review cigars while talking about movies, TV shows, science, and pop culture news. What? You don't like cigars? Great! Because we also talk about science, movies, TV shows, and whatever's going on in the news. It's what we do. We smoke cigars, and we know things. Find us on CigarNerdPodcast.com. We're also on the ESO Network. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.